Happy Labor Day! We hope you are enjoying a much-deserved day off, uh, just like we are, which is why we don't have a new episode this week. But we do have a fabulous rerun from last year. See you next week with a brand new episode of A BS in Education. I'm Miss W, and I'm a teacher. And I'm Mrs. B, and I'm a teacher. Teaching really is an art, but with our actual degrees and experience in schools, we have a BS in education. What happens in the classroom doesn't stay. It gets told right here, right now, today. What happens in the classroom doesn't stay. It gets told right here, right now, today. It's ABS in education. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode eight of a BS in education. Let's kick things off by just bitching about stuff. Yeah. Let's start by complaining. What crap are you going through right now? Everybody loves to complain. They do. Let's start it off like this. Uh, okay, so I have been having so much trouble sleeping lately. Mm. I don't know. I mean, I know it's probably just anxiety with everything that's going on, but melatonin has stopped working. Well, it hasn't stopped working totally. It works for four hours on the dot and then i'm just like no all right if you can't see her and you can't she did like a like a gopher pop-up and a prairie dog look around (laughs) was what you're missing on the other end yes and i wake up and i'm like wide awake and it sucks. sucks you know i'm also having sleeping issues which i've never had before i'm even having trouble with my naps which is unheard of Mm -hmm. but i'll I'll read to the point where my eyes are burning and I have to go to sleep, but I'll lay there and toss and turn for like an hour. And also I'll get these, like, it's not an actual muscle spasm, but I feel like I have to like tense all the muscles in my body to calm myself down. It's real weird. I've never had that before. But I will tell you that my, on my Christmas wish list last year, I put one of those weighted blankets. And so I dug that bad boy out of the closet and it actually helped. So I think it is anxiety. And once I have my thunder jacket on, like a dachshund during <laughs> fireworks, I can sleep. So maybe look into that. I totally have a weighted blanket. I forgot. That out. I forgot that about. I literally bought it three hours before I found out the play I'd been working on for four months was canceled during Corona. No. <laughs> because I like had a feeling it might happen and I was at um AC Moore this craft store and it was going out of business so everything was like 75% off Hell yes. and they had a weighted blanket and I was like you know what it's only Can't 20 hurt. bucks it's 75% off I think I'm gonna buy it just in case yes. and I forgot I had it since the weather got hot but that is a great oh, yeah drag that thing I'm out gonna drag it out tonight oh thank you so much I'm like so glad you said kiss. that mm-hmm. it's wonderful so my BS this week is, you know how sometimes when you order stuff online, they kind of trick you into subscribing yeah. to whatever it is? Okay. So there's two different things, completely unrelated, and different times when I signed up for these things. And one of them will let me keep pushing it back online, but it won't let me cancel it online. It makes me call their phone number in Canada, Mm-mm. and I don't want to call, so I just keep pushing it back, pushing it back. <laughs> But sometimes I forget because they send the emails like, hey, your shipment is coming up. They put those automatically go to my, you know, promotions folder in my email. Yeah. So sometimes I miss it and then it's too late because they ship it. And I'm like, son of a gun. 
I forgot again. And then this other one, they don't even give me a forewarning. They're just like, hey, we charge you $65. And I'm like, no, no. I don't want it anymore. And I can't cancel that online either. So I'm going to have to actually pick up the phone this week and call to cancel. And I'm just real pissed about that. I had a coffee subscription in college to Javalia, Javalia, I don't know, fancy pants, Swiss coffee. Javalia. Javalia oh. coffee. Um, <laughs> I it was, so, it was one of those things where you get a postcard in the mail, like the first three months are super cheap and then it's expensive. Yeah. But it was good, yummy coffee, but I couldn't afford it anymore. And I called to try to cancel and they like talked me back into using it. They like gave me another couple That's months. That's why cheap. I don't want to call. I know. So I ended up lying and saying I was studying abroad <laughs> for a year. That's amazing. Because it was easier for me to come up with an excuse and right. lie because they than can't to just talk you nut up that. and say like, no, I don't want I this stupid I just don't want thing. it anymore. I, I'm the same way. I hate disappointing people and I, I'm such a pleaser. And so I, I do the exact same thing. Like I'll call with full intent and they're like, well, if you do this. And I'm like, oh, oh God, that does sound like a well, good deal. And then I keep giving excuses that they can talk around. But that's a really good one. Yeah, That's it was really good. good one. I just lied. Yeah. You, we just um, moved into a bomb shelter, so we <laughs> don't have mail anymore. I wonder if there's a service online that'll call and cancel stuff for you. I bet it will. And I bet if it's not, like a dollar. If not, yes, million dollar idea. Right, jot that million down with your dollar pin. idea. I got Dang. it. I got it. Click, click. Because I don't want to do that. Yeah, I hate that. Yeah, I agree. I am also weirdly spineless when it comes to salespeople. I am t- I'm a total wiener. I, I think it's because is. I'm like, God, I would hate to have that job. Mm-hmm. I would hate to have to pressure people into buying things that they don't want. That's That just sounds terrible. And so I sympathize with them too much, and then I bend over and give them all my money. <laughs> Such a wiener. Because you keep it in your sock. That's keep why, it, keep that's it why in you're your bending sock. over. That's Exactly. <laughs> To pull out my sock wallet. Let's let's get to our learning objective. Today we're going to create a timeline of the history of the educational system in the U.S. and its implications on the present. This was really fun. Yeah. So Miss B, why don't you why don't you tell us a little bit about the the history since you did the homework? I will. So before I get into the history, I will tell you that if you're ever interested in jumping down a rabbit hole, just go to YouTube and type in the history of U.S. education because uh, it's just, it's real interesting the way it's framed by some people. There's lots of conspiracy theories about it, of course, because it's a thing mm-hmm. to have a conspiracy theory about everything. But uh, it's a real deep dive. So here's the most down the middle of the road explanation I can, okay. I figured that I could give. Okay. Back in the day, like 1492 to 1776. So when we were forming this country and killing all the native people and things like that and colonizing, mm-hmm. um, There was no school, right? So you just kind of learned from the people in your life. Most people were actually very adept at tons of different skills. Many of them were not literate, but that wasn't really a skill that most people needed. So it wasn't a huge deal. But of course, the prestigious people, they found a way to make things better for themselves. So they started making like a hodgepodge of school types. And they were mostly for men, right? No girls right. could get in there because they, they're they pretty much useless unless they have wide exactly. hips and they're just, get on just that Just for girl. making babies. Making babies. And bread. And cooking. They can also bake. They can. Pretty good. So um, 
Flash forward to America becoming its own country and the Constitution was written. It mentions nothing about public education mm -hmm. or education of any kind. So the Tenth Amendment gives educational autonomy to every individual state. And at that time, lots of people were like, no, we don't really think school is necessary and we certainly don't want to pay for it with our taxes. So it was very scattered as to if they had schools or not. Um, and then along comes Horace Mann, who is known as the father of American public education. So this mm -hmm. is in 1837. And Homeboy goes to Prussia, which is now called Germany. But he goes over there because apparently they have a very successful school model, which they started in Prussia because they had just lost a war. And the reason they said they lost the war was because too many soldiers were thinking of their own ideas instead of following orders. So they were doing too much critical thinking instead of just blindly following we orders. We squash that. We need to quash that immediately. It's not okay to have your own free thoughts. And so they designed the modern educational system where everybody goes in, you get your reading, writing, arithmetic, and then you get these four core things, which are ethics, duty, obedience, and discipline. And that's how they trained all of their children up. And so Horace Mann goes over and he's like, wow, this is really successful. These people are very educated. And also they're really loyal to the government and yeah. ethical. And, you know, they're very civic minded. So he brings the model back to the US of A and he starts training other people in how to do this. I, I think that's interesting. That's kind of where the rabbit hole starts going about how the whole purpose of American schools is to brainwash children. And it still is today, right. which right. I don't agree with. No. But you know, what, whatever. If it were to brainwash people, the teachers would have to be so much more in on it than we are. Like, we would all have to very well know that you can't talk about XYZ because of the purpose of brainwashing. Okay, so anyhow, man called education the great equalizer, and he sold it to everybody by being like, look, if everybody gets the same education, you all have an equal shake in life. And this is right around the industrial period starts creeping mm -hmm. up. And so he's like, you know, people are going to need to be able to do math and read and do these other skills you might not learn on the farm. So eventually the states start to get on board with this idea. And then Catherine Beecher shows up and she's like, hell yes, let's do this. And we should hire women to be the teachers because we can pay them almost nothing. And they'll all want to do it because they can't do anything else. Yeah. So... All these women get to become teachers. And of course, we still see the echoes of that today because I can count on one hand the number of male teachers that I've worked with or actually had as a child. I mean, they're, yeah. just, they're not there. By 1918, every single state had compulsory education. You had to go. And then segregation was obviously a huge issue. And it still is. But back then it was, you know, very explicitly stated that segregation was happening. Now that every state has a school system, the U.S. government decides, okay, there's just, there's a lot of stuff going on. We need, we need to rein back in some control on this. And so um, they start regulating curriculum, things like that. They start passing national laws to fund math and science and things like that because of the space race. And so we have to keep up with Russia and China and prove that we're better than them. So they start kind of holding back funding from states who weren't doing what they wanted them to do which they still do yes. all the time because we are, we are nothing without that funding. So we do whatever the federal government wants us to do. And then in 1979, the U.S. Department of Education was created so that they could have an even stronger influence and control even more. So they control the funding 
according to how states meet the standards. Guess who sets the standards? Somebody over there. Guess what? They've probably never taught before or or even you know, gone to a to public school. school. I'm right. going to I'm going to say they've probably even, never even been to a public school. Probably not. Yeah, so they're the ones who decide what everyone in every child in America no matter what their background is should know. And there, this was an actual quote, make sure every school races to the top so that they're all the cream of the crop with standardized tests. How can everybody be at the top? Because then there's no then, bottom. Then it like, doesn't mean anything. Line. Yeah, it doesn't if we're mean all at the same place. Right. So it's it's a line. And then this is not how it's done all over the world at all. It's right. very unique to America, and we're very stubborn to change. So in a nutshell, that is the history of American education. Thoughts? <sighs> so I don't, I think the idea in general is not totally broken. Like, I don't love standardized tests, but I hate that they're tired or that they're tied to funding. I yeah. have... I have so many opinions about funding, and I think that is where reform needs to happen, and that's where you can have the most, um, you can affect the most change. Yeah. So, like, if if you're unaware, uh, schools are mostly funded by property taxes. So, if you live in a million-dollar house, you pay a lot more taxes than if you live in a house that's $100,000 or if you rent an apartment. Renting, Right. So then we get these these gaps in how schools are funded. And it can be schools that are a mile apart. So yes. then people say, ah, well, I don't know. I could go to school A where the housing would be pretty cheap or I could pay a little bit more over in B and I can go to a much better school. And then the, the gap just continues and continues and continues yes. to widen. And then those schools are falling about, are behind because they get less funding. So then they don't do as well as they're on their standardized testing because their class sizes are bigger. Um, uh, so then they get even less money from the federal Correct. government. It's just like such it's a mess. Mm -hmm. it's, it's an absolute such a mess. mess. And that's exactly how it is in my part, my part of the world. So mm -hmm. we live, there is, there are literally train tracks that separate us by about $500,000. Mm -hmm. And I mean, this is within less than a mile. You can cross over the tracks and it's automatically $500,000 more expensive. And I honestly, I would not send my kids to where they are zoned because it is a terrible school with awful funding. They're understaffed. The teachers are overworked. And to be frank, I feel like most teachers who end up there don't want to stay there because they, right. so they're not once invested. they become good teachers, they don't want to be there anymore. They want to go to a better school where they mm -hmm. have more resources and they can do more. And that's not to say that there's not wonderful teachers at these schools, but I can tell you from having worked at schools like that before that the good ones will leave pretty much as fast as they can for the most part because they... They can once they have that experience. So I the um I worked in a school district. It was the I think the poorest school district in my in the entire state. I'm ninety nine percent sure it might have changed in the last few years. Uh, but I also taught in one of the top three districts, ten minutes apart, and mm -hmm. it's so completely different. And okay, so I'm working in this this school district that has very little money. 
Uh, they didn't do great on their tests, so the school was in receivership, which means now the government can step in and tell you what to do, which right. means our school day got extended. Did the teachers get paid more? Cool. No. Of course not. Do the teachers get paid more in this school district when you have a master's? No. Are you still required to get a master's? Yes, you are. Are your class sizes all much bigger? Yes, they are. Um, it's just... It was such a mess. I, I ended up leaving this district and I, I hated that I had to leave, but it was just like one thing too many. Yeah. It's like if the school day was just as long as the other district I taught in, I think I would stay because I really felt like I was making a difference. Or if yes. the class sizes weren't so big or right. if we had a little more funding, but it was just like one thing too. It made me so angry that yes. I would leave my house at 7 in the morning and have school till 3.30 in the afternoon or whatever it was and know that the school that was two blocks from where I lived started 30 minutes later and got out an hour earlier and the teachers uh, made $15,000 more a year than I did. And they got bonuses yes. if they went over like 24 kids scores. in a classroom. No, not just wow. that. Just, if they, just have, if they had more humans in there? If they have more humans. It's like if you have a certain number more, you get a, a bonus. Um, if like two or three extra kids. Once you have mm -hmm. four or five extra kids, they have to put a para in your room with you to help you handle the extra Hell, bodies. I want extra kids just to have another human in my room to help oh, me out. Oh, to have the extra pair. Absolutely. Yeah. But it was just like, it just wasn't fair. And the and the parents, they didn't have a ton of money and they didn't have a ton of time to volunteer. And it was just, it just made me so sad. And there was nothing I can do. No. And I worked at another school down the street that literally had that got millions of dollars more a year. Millions. Isn't that the because it was off thing? of it was off of property taxes. Yeah. I'm gonna send you the article later so that you can <sighs> see the difference in the two districts I'm talking about. But it made me so sad. And it's just the there's That's gotta be a way to equalize the funding. Yeah. I mean, because the those are the kids who need it the most. Mm -hmm. The kids who are living in those places that are poorly funded and who are crammed into those classrooms, it just adds to a cycle. And um, that's a huge, oh, have you, I, did you tell me about this podcast? It's called um, Nice White Parents. Yeah. Yes. Did you start listening? I did. Oh, Everybody it's... go listen to Nice White Parents. It's done by the people who did Serial. So mm -hmm. it's like a legit, real good podcast. Uh, it, I just cringed the whole time. I was, it was so cringy, but I, I feel like I'm contributing to the problem as well. I mean, it's just like you said. I got out of that school as fast yeah. as I could because I would go home crying every single day. I mean, it was literally making me sick. And I couldn't, like, for my own personal mental health, I could not stay in that situation because it was so awful. And it, you might be a person that's really able to co compartmentalize. And mm -hmm. I just... I can compartmentalize when it comes to some things, but I am much more apt to just run myself ragged yes. and to burn out in a couple of years and then just Pretty go much. work somewhere else. And it makes me sad because I really do love that district. I talk to the teachers there. Mm -hmm. um, some of their I'm friends with some of the parents on Facebook, so I still see the pictures of the kids. And I, I really loved that district, but the state just dicked Screws them over them so, so hard. Bad, yeah. So, yeah, that'll just, yeah. So funding is my biggest, mm -hmm. I guess my biggest critique. I do like the idea of there being 
standardized expectations for the grades. Right. Some I don't kind necessarily of think yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't necessarily think mm-hmm. that's a bad idea. I do like that teachers get some leeway. I like I like that. I'm just gonna mumble now. Well I mean I feel like there has <laughs> to, I feel like there has to be some kind of like if you're in sixth grade, these are the things that you need to leave sixth grade with. Right. Because if we don't have that, some states that are poorer or that have way more schools that are in those school districts that are super poor those are going to be the ones that fall even farther behind if there's no standard that they're shooting for, while the other ones who have all the money can go to the stars. So absolutely, there has to be some kind of standard. What crazy me thinks we should do to fix it all is outlaw private schools. (laughs) Shut them down. And if everybody has to go to a public school, I bet they'll get a lot better. I know. It sounds so terrible and I know it will never happen in a million years, but yeah. but it's it's that same cycle. The gap just keeps widening and if it does. if we just overnight, you know what? Public schools or, or private schools are all banned. You have now mm-hmm. all become um, private public schools. You're all public schools. We'll give you two or three years to get your degree if you don't have your credentials. And uh-huh. no more crazy redlining. There's a grid. Yeah. And that's the just, school you go to. It's yep, just squares. Yep, just little squares. That's all. That's it. Our Lady of Ticonderoga <laughs> Pencils. Just change the name. It'll be fine. Well, what's funny, so I have taught at mm-hmm. a private school before, and I, I absolutely loved it, and I loved all the... It's not like an evil group of people. Right. However, and my kids went to this school, so clearly I, you know, didn't take issue with it, and I still don't. However, I can very well acknowledge that the only reason my kids went to that private school is that I didn't want to send them to the public school in my backyard because it was poorly funded and right. it's not a great school. So... We're lucky enough that we could afford, and also I got a discount because I worked there, so we could afford the tuition, but most families, lots of families cannot, and the prices keep going up and up and up, and they don't get any other kind of funding. So if you can't afford a private school and they keep jacking up the tuition, yeah, you're you're part you're part of that division that's happening. Right. But go listen to nice white parents. And I think it, it kind of vilifies nice white parents. But also, I but I, I to me, it's just kind of like an ignorance and just not wanting Correct. to see. I think so too. Beyond the veil, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I don't know. That's just it's a it's a shit situation. But I like your idea of just squares. It is like just none of these weird shapes. No red Some lining. of them have like little rat tails. Yes, of the red lining. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Yes, what is that? My school, Absolute my school district that was so 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 super poor that I worked in had one of the best districts. Like. I don't know, a quarter of a mile away. But again, it has these crazy... Yeah. So that you can, whoever's gentrifying that area, you can scoop them in and, yeah. and redistrict. P- yeah, it's completely ridiculous. Absolutely out of control. So here's an essential question I have for both of us to talk about. Back to the traditional model, mm-hmm. the American model of the schools being, you know, first grade is ages six and seven. And this is what we learn. And this is how we do this. And then at the end of the year, you go to second grade and this is for ages seven and eight. Do you feel like this model is or has been useful and successful? I mean, I guess for what it is, it's it's useful and successful. I, I happen to be a big fan of project-based learning. Mm-hmm. I, I really like it. And I think the it 
it le- leans a little more towards the Montessori side yeah. in that it's not quite it's like the grades aren't. Yeah. yeah. And then you can observe what the student is um, really Their excelling at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, again, for me, it comes back to funding because if you only mm-hmm. have X amount of dollars and you must educate 30 kids at a time in your second grade classroom. It's definitely the easiest and most cost-effective way to do it. Is it yeah. my favorite? No. I I like the model of stuff that's project-based mm-hmm. a lot better. I would agree with that. I really like project-based. And I know that some teachers use it. One of my pro- projects, one of my actual things that I did with my life was when I took some years off of teaching in the classroom and I had my little homeschool kind of thing that I did with, with kids who were typically really, really good at some subjects and really, really not good at others or they had, you know, social differences or difficulties. But it was really interesting with those kids because I could put them in third grade math and then seventh grade reading because that's where they were. And of course, those kids felt really empowered and successful. And I think that that's in a perfect world. We would want kids to be moving down their own paths at their own pace. But, you know, it's how would you how can you change the whole system? At I don't know. How can you fix that? I don't know. I'm really interested to see what ends up happening with this quarantine because um, one of the districts I work in uh, where I'm I'm a, a director and do like puppetry and theater and makeup and stuff like that has um has not announced their plan they've announced when the students are coming back but they haven't announced the plan so i'm, mm-hmm. I'm friends with a few parents and they're like yeah there's a good chance we're gonna do backyard school if they if they give us a choice yeah. between their the parents are basically saying they're not comfortable with their kids going in the classroom mm-hmm. but they also want them to have some instruction so basically like it's uh, like small group homeschool yeah and so yeah. it's going to be some backyard schools and and it was like hey, you you taught elementary right it's not just puppets and i'm like yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. i i don't i don't have a current certification but once upon a time i but did i promise you i know if you're what I'm giving doing. me the curriculum it's fine i'm probably not the best yeah. person to write elementary curriculum at the moment but if somebody but else so many resources it, to get that can, stuff yes now, oh man so easy i've i bet being in college for education now that teachers pay teachers is a thing is yeah. so much easier than it was when we were in college and mm-hmm. actually made everything up from the beginning so i'm wondering if these if this push to backyard schooling or these backyard schools and stuff that i know we're going to see pop up Mm-hmm. what that is going to do to the educational system because most most states have a uh, an online resource you can do for free yeah, if you choose absolutely. to homeschool your kids the state will provide you with a curriculum mm-hmm. so i'm wondering how many people will take advantage of that uh the business that you used to own would probably be doing gangbusters right now mm-hmm. as long as you could space people out appropriately absolutely. yeah because it's just the curriculum and it's it's intended to be on a computer with a facilitator that can help you out with it. Exactly. Yeah. It's a good thing I closed it down. <laughs> I know. Back as, soon as, it, again. as soon as it came out of my mouth, Damn I was it. like, man, you kind of sound like a jerk, Miss Stubbs. No, but it's, it's true. But And I wouldn't be happy doing that because I also hate mm-hmm. running a business. Yeah. I think that this is actually going to kind of help out your crazy idea of, of closing all the public, I mean, private schools, because mm-hmm. private schools are going to be hurting if they can't keep their doors open. 
Because parents don't want to pay tuition to have to homeschool their kids. I know. So lots of people are dropping out of private schools and they're doing their backyard schooling. So I don't, it's going to be very interesting to see how it does affect education. And then overall, I feel like education is changing just in the basic in how the classroom is. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've talked about it a lot, how when we were kids, you sit in rows and you do your stuff all day. Yeah. And now you hardly ever see that. Mm -hmm. I mean, we are pushed as teachers. It's almost frowned upon if a, administrator comes through and all the kids are in rows if they're not taking a test it's almost like why are they all sitting down at their desks what are you doing right now so there's an article i just got right before we started recording or i just read right before we started recording so that's why i didn't send it to you but i will send it to you and i'll link it in our show notes and it's uh basically about educational what's it called it's called our educational colonialism Mm -hmm. and it talks a lot about how the model of education now is really catering toward we got to get these kids in college we have to yes. do it and yes. how that is also increasing this gap because it's it's creating this superiority mm-hmm. uh this new generation of kids are the first generation where everybody's gone to college and it's it's making this big gap in between um uh, what I don't want to say intellectual jobs. There's a better word for it. Well, d- but jobs blue that require collar degrees. And white collar. Yeah, blue collar sure. and white collar. So it's basically talking about how most jobs do not need a degree. Nope. You would be far better served to do an apprenticeship. Know how to do something. To do yeah. a trade school, to get like a two-year degree. And then it talks about how these people, um, how there's this whole genera- generation of people with 50, that are 50, 60, 70, $100,000 in debt and don't yeah. have a job. Because, and they don't have any marketable skills either. Right, so, because they get like a liberal arts degree and then yes, what do they do with it? What do you, what you do with that besides teach and not make any money? Yeah. So that's um, I another think that's a huge that's, issue. It, yeah, it's it it's I thought it was really interesting how it kind of vilifies the we need to be preparing these children for college. And then right. it just makes the point of most jobs you don't need a college degree. Like right. you can make so much money being a plumber or an electrician. Absolutely. Own your own business and Yeah, and you need to be smart to do it, but we have this attitude of you don't have a degree, you're an mm-hmm. idiot. And it's, which if you've been to college and have sat yeah. with people in college, you know that there's a lot of idiots with degrees. Yeah, like, there's a lot a of, a lot, a lot, a lot. As a, as a college professor, there's a lot of professors that are fucking idiots that have absolutely no idea how to teach and they're not required to take uh-huh. any courses on how to teach. Ugh, I just, because they just have the, it's a whole other, a whole other episode. Their, I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I think that's a huge issue. I understand the push towards wanting kids to have an ambition for themselves, yes. even from a very young age. So in especially in those schools that don't have a lot of money and maybe mm-hmm. no one in their family has degrees and higher education is not that important to them, pushing them towards there are things after high school to help you be successful in the future. Like the purpose of school is to prepare you to be successful as an adult. But you're right about the college thing. A lot of that is totally useless. When can we say, like, in high school, start letting them make those choices? Right. There should be, like, some sort of apprenticeship program. Exactly. Like, I knew as soon as I went into high school that I was not going to be a mechanic or an electrician or a plumber because I don't like putting things together. I don't like 
heat at all. I mean, it was just, I knew what I wanted to be, which at that point was towards engineering. So I knew I needed that kind of track. But there's lots of people who I could name if I needed to, who never should have gone to college. Mm -hmm. Like even when they were in college, they were like, yeah, when I'm done, I'm going to go get my associates so I can do X, Y, Z. And I'm like, you don't need to be here. Right. Get out of here and save your money. This is such a waste of time for you. So it's like the the system, if you want to go to college, you should have public school system should prepare you for college. Should that be the only goal? No. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I wish they had more mm-hmm. more programs that were, oh, there's this great school. I think it's in New York that basically goes through the 14th grade, but you come out of it with an associate's degree in something really practical. Uh, So, oh gosh, I need to look it up. This is like the worst podcasting ever because it's like, I heard this thing one (laughs) time and I don't remember the name or place. I feel like we've been very clear that we barely researched this podcast, (laughs) that it's mostly just us saying whatever we think, even if it's incredibly wrong. Um, that's that's really cool. That's yeah. what it should be. I mean, even in middle school, you can start, if you're preparing kids for thinking about what their aptitudes are, what they might want to do when they grow up, mm-hmm. usually they fall in into a category of one or the other. Like one is right. would be very college oriented, one is very not college oriented. Mm-hmm. And so why can't we start giving them what they need so that after high school, they don't have to pull thousands of dollars out of the air to spend on degrees that they don't need or training that they could have gotten earlier in their lives. If we removed some required high school classes that are there now, like trigonometry, why the fuck does everybody have to take trig? (laughs) It's ridiculous. But if you took that out and put in something that would be useful, like if you're going to own your own business one day as a mechanic, maybe, um, Maybe a small business course. Yeah. Bookkeeping. Yes. Something, some other kind of math that would be applicable to you in your life, no matter what you choose to do. And then they're more prepared for doing what they want to do. And I know that, I don't, is shop class still a thing? I feel like with budget cuts, that's one of the things that gets shaved off. My city, in my city, their um, high school has auto shop, which is very cool and unusual. Yeah. But I don't know if they have wood shop. Uh, I'm in theater, so several high schools where I go will have, like, one theater shop class. So you'll at mm-hmm. least learn, like, the basics of how to use uh, a jigsaw or... Um, use a tool. Yeah. Yeah, so is our is our model useful and successful? I think as a fallback and for the budget we have that that's fine, but it should not be the only option. I feel like it needs to be on the road to changing and giving people more options to do Mm -hmm. these things. I just feel like there's a lot of pushback when you talk about vocational training as opposed to college prep. Yeah, and that's what this article is talking about, how it just became this thing where you look down on people. It is. It's an elitist thing. It's totally an elitist thing. Um, And it's a a stereotypical elitist thing. Like every high school movie from the 90s, they're doing something their dad wants them to go to Harvard Law, but they don't want to do that. I just want to be whatever. And But it's true. All right. Stupid. Let's move on. Maybe let's do some, a story time. Some ELA? Yeah. Some story let's time? Do a story time. So um, back in my day, when I was in school, <laughs> we were think we were, for this podcast, we were thinking about like, how have things changed just since we've been in 
in school. So when we were kids, we were we want to talk about things that could never happen today in a modern classroom. Right. One thing that came to my mind is just flat out being told by a teacher, like, no, you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> no, nothing else after it. Just like, nope, that's wrong. <laughs> because we can't really do, we're not supposed to do that anymore. We're supposed to like ask guiding questions to get them to the right answer. We're never supposed to reject any of their ideas. Um, which I thought, you know, it's a very valuable skill, but also sometimes I think we need to be able to just be like, that is incorrect and nothing else. So that's something, what is something that you thought about? Uh, so mine is way different. It's so our prompt (laughs) for this was like, what's something that you experience in school that would never fly today. (laughs) So this doesn't have anything to do with, with actual teaching, but my my fifth grade teacher at the end of the day we would have like 30 minutes where we're not learning it's just buses being called yeah so you just sit there and do your homework while you wait for your bus to be called and this teacher would just be like hey baby come here will you rub my shoulders what <laughs> or whoo my feet really hurt come here will you Shut rub miss christoph's feet rub my- <laughs> That's fabulous. I swear to God. And she was a great teacher. Yeah. I mean, if she could get her students up there rubbing on her feet at the end of the day, she must have been an amazing human being. When I was working retail as a teenager or a young adult, she actually came in one time and I recognized her and she recognized me and we chatted and stuff. So she's a very nice lady, but I just sit back and go like, I cannot believe I used to rub this woman's shoulders. Absolutely hysterical. Yeah, that would not fly today. You would be... You would be on, on the local the news. news. Yes. Oh my God, that's so funny. I love so that. that was yeah. my favorite. That's another sad thing is like in teacher trainings at the beginning of the year, they especially in elementary, they always remind you like you cannot initiate touch with a child. So even mm-hmm. if you teach pre-K or kinder, and they're crying their eyes out. You can't go up to them and offer a hug. Mm-hmm. You have to wait for them to to hug you. And there has to be another adult in the room. And, you know, all of these cover your ass things, which I get. But also, it's so sad <laughs> that we have to do another that. Another thing that I'm sad that we can't do anymore is just the, like, Halloween and Christmas parties and stuff I like know. that. I absolutely love those. And if there's any way to get around it so it's not associated with a religion or lack of religion or something. Because I just, I, when else do you get to, like, have a party with your classmates? I know. Where the only goal of that afternoon is, oh, look, the, the room mother, we had, my mom was room mother when I was in elementary school. And we were having our Easter party in public schools, which now is bananas. How that's awful but she got like orange construction paper and rolled it into a cone and then filled the cake like so it looked like a carrot carrot filled it with candy then put easter grass at the top and stapled them shut and she made them for the whole class and we passed them out we got to like like the teacher made a sign up list of what everybody was bringing and we just got to chill and like eat sandwiches and probably yeah the people made it home you can't do that either you have to go and buy all of the stuff the treats that you bring in which sucks because they're not nearly as good as the stuff that somebody's mom makes at home yeah, listen, you can't have a fucking peanut anywhere near a school. No. Which, as you know, peanut butter is like my go-to food. When I've forgotten to mm-hmm. eat all day, I'll just open a jar of Jif and get a spoon and like get a couple That's bites in so there. Good. But I can't do that because fucking everybody is allergic to peanuts now. Mm-hmm. 
it's it's a bummer, man. There's lots of cool stuff we can't do anymore. Womp yeah. womp. Here we are bitching again. I should probably just have children so I can do that with them. And I don't just try do to it. replace these children that aren't my children <laughs> with this memory. And I'm like, no, no let's do trick or treat. Any of this stuff. Hey, let's give out some teaching tips. What you oh, got? Yeah. Wait, did you tell, you didn't tell your uh, story time. You're back in my day. Oh, so. Or you did well, part of was, it. You didn't do the second I half. did. Okay, so yeah, the other the other part I wanted to talk about for back in my day was every Friday we had a timed math test. You had a minute to do as many problems as you can. Okay, so um, I did. I have been doing this with my class, much to the chagrin of like seventy percent of the parents. Mm-hmm. You would not believe how much pushback I get for trying to get kids to memorize their math facts quickly. It's nuts. I mean, it's stuff from like. This is beating down their confidence. And when are we supposed to learn these? And did y'all practice these in class before you did them? And blah. And I'm like, do you not remember? Because y'all are about the same age as me. Because our kids are the same age. Don't you remember going home in second grade and fucking doing your flashcards? Yeah, you had a minute. You You did. did. I remember too. What the fuck is your like out of? Okay, so I had a couple of kids with diagnosed, you know, learning disabilities, and so I would give. I would give them, you know, accommodations on these things. They're not for a grade. It's just something we did every day as a warm up. And I got yeah. shit all year about it. So just, just, and maybe parents always bitched about it. And I just didn't know because my parents would never have thought right. to bitch about Mine something either. like that. Yeah. And that's, that's another thing is parents bitching to teachers. I feel <sighs> like that is also way different yeah. now. Was it, do you think that was the complaint just, like coming from anxiety the kids had because they don't oh yeah they're they're so worried they're very you know it makes them anxious that they can't you know finish their times twos and then they would ask me like hey miss b can you help me with my times twos and i'm like i would love to but we have so much to do in class and no i don't have time to but you know what will help you is knowing how to skip count which you should have learned in kindergarten first grade second grade and going home with these flashcards that I will give to you. I gave them all their own flashcards and they still wouldn't do it. So just, ugh. parents suck. Parents I are know. big old buttholes sometimes. <laughs> that is big, a true fact. Let's do, these, let's do these teaching tips. Let's do some tips. Okay, what you got for us this week? All right, so uh, my teaching tip is at the beginning of the school year, put $20 on your, your account with the cafeteria. Even if you think you never in a million bazillion years are going to eat in that cafeteria, do it. Because we all know you don't have time to go somewhere for lunch. And one day you're going to forget your lunch. Or in my case, um, one year I we came back from a field ch- trip crazy, crazy, crazy late. And we were supposed to eat lunch at the field trip. And then that didn't happen for Ooh. some reason. So the kids were eating in the cafeteria, but I didn't have any money. So... <laughs> Your just stomach's like, just just sitting there with you like a no little choice. bowl, <laughs> picking so off sad. of the kids' plates. That's another thing you can't do anymore. I used to have a teacher who would like pick up our bag of ruffles and take yes! bites out of it and put it back, or like eat our steak fingers. Can't do oh, that anymore. I had this little cutie pie. Um, uh, we were waiting. I don't know if I had bus duty or if it was during the after school. I think it was snack time during the after school program. But you know, kids, we just had 15 minutes for them to have snacks while we're just sitting mm-hmm. there and chatting with them. And you just make them conversation with the kids while you're waiting for all the instructors to get there. So I'm sitting there and this uh, little cutie pie was eating 
I don't remember what it was, some kind of candy. And I was like, oh, goodness, those look so good. And just go, we're just chatting about her snacks. And then she's like, oh, I saved one for you, like in this like <gasps> disgusting, sticky little hand. And I'm just like, thank you. <laughs> Are you going to eat it right now? No, I'm going to save it. <laughs> oh, but it was so sweet. Uh, so but yes, sweet. kids still try to give you food, even though um, they do. I feel like when I taught middle school, I would 100% take a hot fry from a child yeah i mess with my middle schoolers way more than i did my elementary kids yeah because elementary kids will go home and tell their parents stories that happen at school that are true and i'm not upset that they would tell their parents these things but the way that they tell stories makes makes it make you sound like a monster different they do so then you get the phone call or the email usually the email and i'm just like i can't with this so great. Um, okay, all right, what's, so your, what's your teaching tip? Here's my tip is fluorescent lights suck. We all hate them. That's yes. typically what we have. Some of us don't even have windows in our classroom. So bring in lamps so that you can turn off the overhead lights and just have lamps all around your room. It's such a better feel. It's better for the kids. Or, and or, they have now these filters that you can put on top of the fluorescent lights that like make it look like a skylight. So they tone down the fluorescentness of it, but you can That's also cool. get it with patterns. Like it looks like the sky or it looks like a stained glass <gasps> oh, window or whatever cool. so is it is. it like contact Yes. Paper? Yes. It's like a oh, clean film that you put over it and it's okay with the fire marshal. So oh, nice. that's, yeah, highly recommend. It's a great way to just change the ambiance of your classroom and make it feel less like a prison cell inside cinder blocks. That's awesome. I'm yeah. down with it. I kind of wish I had a classroom with fluorescent lights because that sounds so cool. It's, I know, I'm, it's one thing to get excited about for fluorescent lights. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, oh, another thing you can do is get like, you know, those rope lights? Yes. Like I LEDs. Those. Put those around your, uh, your whiteboard in your room and it just makes it more exciting. It's like, I'm at the movies, but it's really just, put in like weird Christmas lights and stuff. I had Christmas lights and fairy lights that I had underneath tables Mm. that could only be plugged in when it was like quiet reading time or something. Like they weren't on during the day normally, but then it made it like special and the lamps do the same thing. It creates different pools of light and just makes the kids feel like it's their own space. It's cozy and special. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay. um, Let's, Complain some more. Let's do some screaming in the parking lot. Mm. Screaming in the parking lot. Um, I'll do mine first since I've pretty much already talked about it. My child never has done that at home. (laughs) Just that (laughs) sentence. I'm like. How about now? How about now, mom? How about now? (laughs) Oh, I, I understand. Has your child ever been at home with 28 of their friends and like six kids that they also hate for seven hours at a time has that ever happened at your home because maybe things are different here maybe your kid acts differently around their peers than they do Mm -hmm. around you oh my god nothing more needs to be said y'all get it y'all know what i'm saying everybody gets it everybody's got a my child would never do that story that's why you gotta cover your ass cover your ass as a teacher all right scream at me Uh, all right my screaming in the parking lot is students running their fingers across your whiteboard when you have written something out. <gasps> Through your writing? Oh, my God. <sighs> yeah. It just, like, enrages me. Like, mm-hmm. I don't even know how to explain how mad it makes me. Yeah. Because I can see that they're not thinking about it. Sure. They just see this thing, and they know that if they run their finger They're across like, this touch part, it with they'll, my hands. they'll be negative space. Look at these stripes. But when I used to oh, man. 
when I would put up my objective, I had it for like my sixth grade, my seventh grade, my eighth grade, and we had mm-hmm. block schedule. So I only saw the students every other day, which means I wrote all the objective vocabulary and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. it could stay up for two days. And it just like without a doubt, you had to some child. write everything. Yes! Or like color in the little missing spots. Yes! God, that sucks. I have totally done the thing where I'm like, do I come up to your notebook with an eraser and scratch out things that you've written? I've totally done that before. Yes. Makes me. And then I apologize. I'm like, sorry, I exploded. Sorry, I yelled. However, don't fucking touch yes. my stuff, man. <laughs> Show hands off my stuff. But you know what? It's still all worth it. Uh, it um, sure is. So my all worth it moment right now is just reflecting on Teacher Appreciation Week. Yeah. Like, I think it's sad that we need to have that. But also, I love that week if the parents do it right. The last school I was at, they would get together and they would provide your breakfast and lunch every single day for the whole week. And then they would get together and coordinate different gifts for you. So you wouldn't get nine coffee mugs with Hershey Kisses in them. You would get, at the beginning of the year, you would fill out a survey like, what's your favorite restaurant? What kind of sweets do you like? If you had a gift card to any three places, what would it be? Like questions about things that you were actually interested in. And then they would get you stuff that you actually wanted. Oh my God, it was amazing. So, um... Yeah, here's the Teacher Appreciation Week. So fabulous. I'm jealous. (laughs) I've been in so many situations where I work at three different schools at the same time, and I just get left off. I think it's, I think it's, it's fine because I also don't have to go to staff meetings, but there was one school that I taught Mm -hmm. at that was a private school that remembered me and it was really nice to have, to have like my little soda and because I taught there every day, but I only taught there for like three hours and then I went to another school in the afternoon and it was, it was really nice. That's so nice. Yeah. So I do like teacher Okay, what about you? Um, I love visits from former students. Like you're oh, sitting yeah. in your classroom. It's your planning period. You hear your door open and you're like, ugh. And then it's Get out, Marcia, a child. And it's... it's a child you taught two or three years ago that's just like, hi, I'm dropping my little sister off. I'm so excited to see that you. Do you need so help? fun. And I love it so much. And it's very cute. I do. I, I do really, that. I really like it. Like and running into I... them in public. Yeah. And since I do theater, a lot of times I'll get to, when we do an actual performance, I'll get to see a lot of my former students. And it's, it's super, it's super cute. And sometimes I'll even have some that offer to come and help. Like, do you need me to come back and do costumes? I'm like, absolutely, absolutely I do. (laughs) I for sure do. Do you, do kids around you in middle and high school, do they have to have service hours? The high school students do. Okay. So uh, the high school show, we were working on Shrek and I was, were, I was teaching a makeup class and I was also doing like the prosthetic noses and stuff like that. Yes. So there was a group of students that I was working. I, I was like, I had, I taught them a, cl- a class that's in quotes because mm-hmm. it was like on, on a Tuesday at seven or something. Okay. Like a two hour class once a week for maybe eight weeks. And then we mm-hmm. did a, a lot of emailing back and forth with the makeup designs so I taught them for the first half, and then it was it was more of a mentor situation. Gotcha. But several of them were going to come help me with costumes for High School Musical, and I was very looking forward to all the extra help I was going to have. And then it got canceled because canceled. of coronavirus. I know. Now we well, love it. It's we love fine. It. All good things. Now I'm going to write Homeschool Musical. I really should <laughs> wow, do that. That'd be wow. funny. You should. It's all over <laughs> Zoom. God. <laughs> So sad. Uh, 
All right. I, I think that's it. We've done it again. We did it. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Do you have a BS in education? We want to hear from you. Email us at bsineducation2020 at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at bsineducation or leave us a voicemail. We love getting voicemails and getting to play them over the show. So give us a call at 234-73-TEACH. Once again, that phone number is 234-73-TEACH. And this has been a BS in Education. Classes ended, time to go. Pick up your crayons off the floor. Classes ended, time to go. I don't want to see your face no more. Thank you for listening to ABS in Education. My tummy hurts.